No longer in apartment 125, but it is surely unfiltered. Welcome back to 125. Unfiltered, going to be talking Final Four today. Had some awesome games from yesterday. We're also going to talk women's Final Four because those were some very good games as well. Caitlin Clark is clearly not human. That's the first point I'm going to make. She was incredible. We're going to hop into the recaps of those games. But let's start with last night. San Diego State versus FAU. UConn versus Miami. I was saying on the podcast a week ago that, you know, this is an unconventional Final Four. This is, as the week went on, I personally realized that I was not very excited for this Final Four. And I'll explain why. Again, um, in my opinion, having a Cinderella is great. Having, having, I think the perfect example is 2018 Loyola Chicago, the 11 seed. They make it to the Final Four, but there's still Michigan, still Villanova, there's still Kansas. Still some really good games. Loyal Chicago played Michigan very close as well. I like that. I do not mind a Cinderella making a run, making a nice story for themselves. But this year, I thought there were just too many. And I'm not going to call Miami a Cinderella, but there are just too many. There just weren't enough top dogs. I think we've clearly seen that UConn is a top dog and that they are not a four seed. How they were ranked there. I mean, I'll get into my thoughts on that. But I tweeted it out. I am not. I was not very excited for a San Diego State, Florida Atlantic Final Four. And eight minutes into that game, it just did not really feel like a Final Four game. The I just. I mean, the intensity was there. They were making good shots, but there needs to be the best programs. And I'm not. And the great rebuttal, which I agree with a hundred percent, is comparing it to the college football playoff. Do we really want to see Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State? And those teams being the final four, or like those teams. So in basketball terms, we really want to see Duke versus Kansas versus Kentucky every see, every single year in the final four. No, we don't. We don't. But compared to last year when we had Kansas, Villanova, Duke, UNC, how intense those games were. I mean, the, the, the best programs in the country battling it out. So again, if it were my preference, throw a Cinderella in there. But you need three of the teams that were consistently the best teams in the country like if we had an Alabama or Houston or even Texas, I think Texas UConn could have made for a really good game. But that's that's not how it was this year. There was a lot of parity in college basketball this year. It was evident in the Final Four. But even so, even with me absolutely hating on San Diego State, that was a good game. That was an incredible game that clearly went down to the wire. San Diego State's Lamont Butler hit a two-point shot at the buzzer to beat the Florida Atlantic Owls 72 to 71 to go to their first national championship in program history. And again, this was an incredible game. I thought it, I mean, first half, I thought FAU was going to run away with it. They were hitting a lot of shots. They dropped 40 on the Aztecs. And it just, I mean, Nick Boyd hit three threes. Elijah Martin was getting going very bounced scoring from the Owls. And in that second half, when they went up 13, it looked like it was over. Elijah Martin was so good yesterday. I feel so bad for him. He had 26.7 of 13 from the field. But the Aztecs just stayed in and they kept fighting. And I mean, this is, this is a, I mean, we know the San Diego State's not the best offensive team. They still dropped 72 points, dropped, dropped 39 in the second half and they did enough. And that just seems to be the, 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 not the motto, but just the, the the journey for San Diego State. They, they're they doing just enough to get on by. And that's all you need in this tournament. It is not a knock. 
To beat Alabama, you hold Brandon Miller to 3 of 19. That's doing enough. Creighton, you hold that high-powered offense to 56 points. That's doing enough. And tonight, or, or last night, I should say, they did just enough offensively. And I'd say defensively in that second half to shut down FAU. Matt Bradley was huge for San Diego State. He had 21 points, 5 of 12 from the field, hit four threes, came out on fire with three threes in the first like five minutes of that game. I thought they went away from him a little too much in that first half. He didn't score the rest of the first half after those quick 11 points. But uh, Ladie off the bench, played 15 minutes, had 12 points. And, and this was a game where Trammell only had five points. Uh, but obviously, t- uh, the no timeout call from San Diego State was very smart. He let his players play it out. Lamont Butler hit the shot at the buzzer. An incredible ending. Very cool for Jim Nance to get a buzzer beater call in his last Final Four in Houston, where, you know, his hometown, or or where he, he went to college at, at Houston. So that was quite poetic. But I think for FAU, where this went wrong is, again, they were up 13 points in the second half. But I think, aside from Martin, the offense just shut down. John L. Davis was just not effective against the defensive guards that San Diego State has. He only was 2 of 9 for 8 points. Greenlee didn't get many looks from 3. He only hit 1 of 2. Nick Boyd, he had 4 threes, which which was nice. Vlad Golden, everyone was hyping him up after the Kansas State game. I don't know why, because he you know he only had 5 points, 4 rebounds, had 4 personal fouls, 1 of 5 from the free throw line. You can definitely look at free throws. They missed 5, but San Diego State also missed a fair share. They missed 9 free throws. It seemed like they had... I mean, they got like three offensive rebounds off of off of free throws, and, and they just couldn't put points up. And I thought the rest for a, a, a good stretch of that second half were absolutely horrific. They were so bad, and they kept giving San Diego State shots at the free throw line, which they would miss, but then they get the own rebound, and there were just some really bad fouls. Like that Vlad Golden foul, uh, where he pretty much cleanly got a block on, I believe it was Mensa or, or a Rop. Just, just awful officiating. I think FAU got got hosed a little bit there, but but that that's not why they lost. They lost because their offense shut down in the second half. Elijah Martin did what he could. He had 19 of the team's 31 second half points, and the and and for a team that has great ball movement and creates such quality shots, they lost a little bit of that in the second half. And it's tough for one guy to go out and. And, and do it all for you. We, we saw it last week when they played Kansas State. Marquise Noel couldn't do it by himself. FAU with the more balanced scoring, and that's what they're used to. It wasn't as balanced last night. But again, you got to give San Diego State credit because Matt Bradley had a game after shooting horribly. He had like eight points in the, in the second weekend. This is a guy who leads their team in scoring. He's led their team in scoring for the past two, three years. But they had they had guys off their bench come in. Again, Ladie had 12. Arap had nine. Parrish hit two huge threes. So this is, I mean, I can say whatever I want about them not being that fun to watch, being too defensive, or being great defensively where they where they make the game boring. But yesterday was a very exciting game, and and and, and we'll get I'll get to the the championship matchup after I get over after I go over the UConn game. But I actually think San Diego State can make the game a little more interesting than I think a lot of fans might think it goes because UConn is just steamrolling through competition. They did it again last night, beating Miami 72-59. to UConn was up 20 at one point. Miami cut it within eight. And they had their chance. They went on their run. They had their one chance to get back in it. And they did not box out Klingon on an offensive rebound. 
He made a layup to make it back to 10. Isaiah Wong took a bad three on the other end. UConn, I believe, hit a three right back down and extended the lead back to 13, and Miami just could not get any closer. They had their chance. I was really pulling for them to make that game close because when they were, on, they were down 20, made it an eight-point game, it really looked like Miami was going on another second-half surge with like what we saw in against Texas, but that was unfortunately not the case. Adama Sinogo was fantastic. He had 21 points, shot 9 of 11 from the field. Hit two three-pointers, which is pretty cool. Ten rebounds. But man, this UConn team is so good. They are so deep. They have so many players that can just hit a shot and beat you. It was, it was crazy because th- they play nine deep. Or or maybe eight deep. They, they, they played eight guys uh, with, with quality minutes. And they... Their six, seven, and eight guys were were keeping the lead in the first half. I mean, they played them. They played their bench a solid six, seven minutes for a stretch in that first half with with Eleni, Calcaterra, Klingon coming in with, with, with Newton to give Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins some rest. And it's just crazy how deep this team is and, and how they even subbing out their starters, their bench did not falter one bit in Miami in that first half was was always they were always playing from behind. They made it 19-19, but UConn went on a huge run, obviously up 13 at the half with uh with a massive three from Caravan to to end the half and this UConn team is again so versatile. Sonogo down low, Jordan Hawkins hit a few threes. The the playmaking from from Newton and Jackson they combined for 12 assists. They had the team had 19 on the night. I don't see how anyone's beating this UConn team. You could throw the you could throw Purdue, Alabama. That would not matter at UConn right now. They are the best team in college basketball. They've played like it the entire month of March. And it's and it's crazy how this team is a four seed because yes, they they came to the tournament with eight losses, seven in the Big East. This is a by the way a very good Big East, but they lost like six of eight games, and just seems like everyone counted them out. Everyone was talking about Marquette, including myself. Everyone was talking about Xavier. People were talking about Creighton. And UConn had the rough patch in January. They corrected it. Everyone found their role. And they are a juggernaut right now. And they showed it last night. Now going to Miami side, I think they, I mean, I listened to the postgame interview. The length of, Miami, of, of UConn defensively definitely bothered them. This is the thing with this Miami starting lineup. They, I mean, Tristan Newton is their point guard. He is 6'5". Jordan Hawkins is about 6'5 as well. And then you you got guys like, you got Caravan, you got Sonogo, Jackson's about 6'7 as well. That's a really lengthy starting lineup. And and for, you know, Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong, I mean, Pack's obviously below 6'0", Wong is 6'4". Those are tougher matchups, and they had a harder time getting good shots off didn't move the ball as well. I think, again, the length really bothered them, and it just showed how good UConn can be defensively. Holding this Miami team to 59 points, this Miami team dropped 89 on Houston. They had 88 on on Texas. And, and Pack was 3 of 10 for 8 points. Wong was 4 of 10 for 15. Miller, 4 of 10 for 11. Omir had only 8 points, only 7 rebounds, did have 4 personal fouls. And, and UConn held Miami to 32% from the field. They did make 7 threes. But in the end, I, I think the size of UConn overwhelmed Miami on both ends of the floor, on the glass especially. I mean, they got out-rebound 41-32. to 32. 
uh, offensively, offensive glass as well. That's how UConn got some good second chance points. But Omir clearly frustrated as well. He had, he had a tough game because he had such a hard matchup on, on Sunogo. And Miami's small ball lineup was only going to work for until they ran into a team like UConn. Just watching this game, it just showed how how bad of a matchup this was for Miami because of UConn's size and length. And I, I think that ultimately uh, was the difference. And even when Miami had a small chance of hope, they they weren't able to produce the quality of shots that they were accustomed to producing because they got shot makers. This is a very good Miami team, very experienced. Got three guys who went for 25-plus in the tournament, but UConn did a good job neutralizing them. I was saying that they they needed a, a guy to go off like 25-plus, and they didn't have that, so credit, huge credit to UConn. Looking at their matchup, I'll go over it briefly until we get to the women's side. They're going to smack San Diego State. I think. I do think San Diego State has the size to, to, to handle Sunogo and Caravan and Klingon. Like I think Nathan Mensa is going to be huge in that game. He got a rop off the bench. But when it comes down to it, if you try and stop Sunogo, Jordan Hawkins is going to get loose. Andre Jackson is going to get loose. And UConn just has too many guys who can beat you from the perimeter. And they've got the guys inside who can also beat you down in the paint. They're so versatile. I mean, Elaney had 11 shots last night. 0-5 from 3, but yeah, he had 8 points. Calcaterra hit a 3. I'm interested to see how... You know, for for San Diego State, can Matt Bradley reproduce the game that he had with, with 21 points? Is Trammell going to have a big game? I'm interested to see who's going to be that player to step up for the Aztecs because they need somebody to go for 20-plus. UConn clearly has shown they can drop 70-plus on, on anyone with ease. Even when they kind of took the foot off the pedal last night, they could have gone for 80. It would have been nothing against that Miami team. But San Diego State, we have to acknowledge, is very good defensively. And I, I think their size could... Give UConn a tougher fight, but I'm taking UConn by like 10 points. I don't know what the spread is right now. I can try. I'll, I'll take a look real quick. But UConn, if they don't absolutely run away with this game in the second half, I'm going to be very surprised because one, they're playing so well right now. But I also just don't think you uh, San Diego State has has the offensive juice to keep up. So UConn's favored by minus seven and a half, and I'm, I'm hammering that. Uh, I mean UConn. Again, best team in the country right now. They're playing like it. They're showing it. They've got the stars. They they can score in every which way. And they also did a very good job defensively. I was very surprised with how well they, they shut down Miami shot making. And tomorrow, is it's it. We're down to two teams. UConn, San Diego said again, I'm taking UConn. I'm, and I'm, I'm going to take them to win by 10. And this would mean that this would be one of the most dominant final four runs or tournament runs we've seen in, in recent memory. Obviously, we got Villanova in 2018. We got Baylor in 2021, and I think you can throw this UConn team up there with that lot uh, if if they beat San Diego State pretty handily. But we can't count out the Aztecs. We know that they can stick around, and they have the defense to do so. Very excited for that game. Those weren't the only exciting Final Four games, though. Let's go to the women's side because, man, we had two fantastic games on Friday night. Let's start with the first game of the night, Virginia Tech versus LSU. I watched this whole game. Very, very good game. It was a game of runs. Virginia Tech went on like a 20-2 run uh, from the end of the second quarter into the third quarter. They had a nine-point lead at the end of the third. But LSU dominated that fourth quarter, 29-13. Angel Reese, a huge game, 24 points, 12 rebounds. 
Alexis Morris also was phenomenal. 27 points, had some huge shot making down the stretch. And I think the game changed when she got going. Because when, when she started making a couple jumpers, made a couple threes, it got Angel Reese going down low, and they just dominated on the boards. Out-rebounded Virginia Tech. Actually, no, Virginia, really, wow. I just looked at it. Virginia Tech out-rebounded LSU by two, but it just seems like that fourth quarter, they were they were really just attacking the offensive glass, getting a lot of second-chance opportunities. That's how Reese really was able to get going, and when she gets her swag on, there is nothing stopping her. Williams also had 16. Now, for Virginia Tech, Kitley had 18 and 12. Seven blocks as well, a monster game from her. Georgia Amor, 17 points, broke the three-point record for the, uh, uh, broke the record, I believe, with, with 24. I think Caitlin Clark is tied with her now, but she was only 4-17 from the field, 4-15 from three-point range, not her most efficient game. Trailer had 17 points, King with 14. So, balance scoring from their starting lineup, they only play six deep, but I really think LSU wore them down physically in that fourth quarter by, you know, L- this is a very physical LSU team. They get after it for all 40 all 40 minutes. And I, I think it showed Kitley definitely got taken out of her element a little bit. Credit to LSU. They really sent multiple bodies at her. And, and I think that disrupted what Virginia Tech wanted to do offensively because Kitley wasn't getting the same shots. She normally gets the jumpers weren't there. And, and she's clearly bothered by the physicality. Now, I don't think the refs gave her the whistle she probably wanted. Uh, I, I think she had a, got fouled a few times where it wasn't called. But, you know, I was complaining about with the San Diego State game. I'm all in favor of of the refs swallowing their, their whistle, letting letting the girls play, letting them, you know, be physical, play tough defense. And, and that's what else you really brought on that side of the ball. And, again, it's all shown in the fourth quarter, 29-13, to 13, Virginia Tech. It was a 22-3 to 3 run by LSU and Virginia Tech really wasn't able to crawl back into it. But nonetheless, this was an incredible season for the Hokies. First Final Four, best team in their program history. I gotta say, I'm a huge fan of Coach Kenny Brooks. I think he's done a great job with his team. Seeing them play in in Carmichael, seeing that Kitley buzzer beater. This is a very good team. And through three quarters, they were the better team, but just ran out of gas, it looked like, in in that fourth quarter. I think Amor took a few ill-advised shots, but... You got to ride with your best players. I mean, she's your three-point sniper. Same with Kayla King. You got to ride with them. And, and King was actually four of nine from the field, so a pretty efficient day for her. But at the end of the day, Morrison Reese just took over for LSU. They clamped up defensively, and they're going to the Final Four. Now for the other game, South Carolina. And by the way, that these two games put the end to my could have been almost perfect bracket because uh, I predicted the whole Final Four, but. I picked Virginia Tech to go to the finals, and so insane with South Carolina, but Caitlin Clark had something to say about that. Iowa won 77-73. Now, I did not watch all of this game. I just watched a lot of highlights, especially of Caitlin Clark, and my goodness, she's incredible. She's the most exciting player in college basketball, men and women's, that that was in that final four. Now, the only reason I say this is because I'm a huge Marquise Noel fan, and I think Marquise Noel is the most exciting player in March Madness this year. That's just my opinion. But Caitlin Clark is right there with him. 41 points, 8 assists. And I was literally talking to, to one of my friends, who, I mean, we, a huge women's basketball fan. I mean, Marsalis. Yeah, I've had him on the podcast. Talk to Marsalis about, about these games. And I told him, I was like, this, this girl needs to drop like 40 if they want to win this game because South Carolina is too good. And she did just that and more. 
41 points, 15 of 31 from the field, hit five threes. Shot The whole team shot 49%. I thought the rest of the team played pretty well. I watched a little bit of the third quarter. Uh, I hope I'm saying this right, but Cizanano. No way. I probably butchered that. Uh, she had 18 points, though. Martin had seven. And that's the thing. The, the rest of her team did just enough, but it came down to, is Caitlin Clark going to ball out? And she did that. Very surprising game from Aaliyah Boston. She had like no points through halftime. She only had eight points. Uh, Zaya Cook, 24. But let's be real, guys. Let's not talk about Seth Curry. This is the Caitlin Clark show. She is the most electrifying player in women's, in, in women's college basketball. When she goes to the pros, she's going to be one of the best players there. The moment she steps on that court, she is literally... I'm not even going to say the female version of Steph Curry. She's Steph Curry 2.0. Her range and that how fast she just can pull up from the logo and just drain a three. And her playmaking ability too. The eight assists. She really did a good job setting up her teammates because she couldn't do it alone. She didn't. She got enough help. But she plays with, with such intensity and and she she's selfless. Again, she's not just going out there for her numbers, but... It, when she needs to put her head down and go score, holy crap. She's so, so good. I'm so glad she's getting the recognition she deserves because this this women's tournament has honestly been really good. And the thing that I've been saying between that and the men's is the top teams in, in women's basketball played like the top teams in the tournament. That didn't happen on the men's side. And with that, we got some all-time classics. Caitlin Clark, 41 points on South Carolina. A great LSU comeback against Virginia Tech. That is, I mean, it's going to help the sport so much. I know the viewing was really good. And it's awesome when you get to see the best stars shine on the biggest stage. And we got Iowa LSU. And if you think I'm picking against Caitlin Clark at this point, I mean, you're crazy. Caitlin Clark, I hope hopefully she can get it done. One more game, I believe that's tonight. Uh, LSU doing a, a little chirping before how Alexis Morris said that they can't guard South Carolina. They can't guard them the, the same way they guarded South Carolina. Caitlin Clark left that one girl open from the three and Clark responded saying, we're not going to guard him the same way. And I mean, that's just, that's just matchups. That's just scouting. If a girl can't shoot the three, you're going to leave her open. And yeah, I don't think you can do that against her and, you know, take that personally, but you got to know that I was going to switch it up defensively. I, I think the zone that Virginia Tech ran actually did a good job on LSU where I think Iowa could potentially exploit that because, I mean, Morris was only two of nine from three and and LSU didn't shoot the ball particularly well from the outside. It was it was really in the paint when they got going on, on the Hokies. So I'll be interested to see how Iowa guards them defensively. We've got a great championship game tonight, great championship game tomorrow, going to be a fun end of college basketball so again, I'm taking Iowa, taking UConn, and yeah, that's going to do it today for 125 Unfiltered. Stay tuned because I'm going to do an episode very soon about the UNC transfers, guys we have coming in, and players, unfortunately, that we have coming out. I'm sure the big news you've seen, it's been a week, but Caleb Love leaving UNC is officially the end of his time as a Tar Heel. Where do I think he's going to go? Who do I think needs to come in and... Where's Hubert Davis going to go in his third year? Got a lot of roster spots to fill. Got a lot of work to do in the transfer portal. It's a new era of college basketball where the portal is everything. But that'll be for next time. Thank you so much for listening to this Final Four recap. And I'll speak to you next time.